Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Telegraph, the Telegraph. podcasts. After an outbreak in an abattoir causes a spike in Germany's R number, we're asking why meat processing factories are coronavirus hotspots. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. It's tempting to declare some countries winners and others losers in the fight against coronavirus. And while it's too early to say exactly who's come out on top, and frankly, any deaths are a failure, Germany has won praise for its efficient approach to curbing the virus. It used rigorous testing to lead it out of its lockdown from mid-May. The country's seen 8,800 deaths, around one-fifth of the UK's death toll. But over the weekend, news that the country's reproduction value, or R number, had just jumped from 1.06 on Friday to 1.79 on Saturday to 2.88 on Sunday. That means each person with the virus was infecting an average of almost three other people. For the virus to retreat, the R number needs to stay below one. The spike was attributed to an increase of over 650 cases at one abattoir in northern Germany. It sent around 7,000 people into quarantine and prompted the closure of local schools and an urgent investigation. But the phenomenon isn't limited to Germany. There's another uh, in uh, Kirklees in, uh, in Yorkshire. Again, we've sent in uh, mobile testing units. We're working with, in both cases, the local council, and in both cases, the local director of public health is doing a magnificent job. That outbreak in Kirklees in West Yorkshire, announced there by Matt Hancock, was linked to the Cobra meat processing plant, which is owned by Asda. It closed after 150 staff tested positive for the disease. The UK's in fact seen three separate COVID-19 clusters at meat processing factories in England and Wales. It's raising questions on whether enough's being done to protect low-paid workers. So to discuss why the plants are the ideal incubator for the coronavirus, I gave The Telegraph's Global Health Security Deputy Editor and Governor and I started by asking her how significant the outbreaks are. Well, I think it is fairly significant in that, you know, every country will have a meat packing or a meat processing plant. And it is only a, these these outbreaks are occurring mainly in meat processing or food processing plants. So there was um, a similar outbreak in a fish processing factory in Ghana, for example. So, yes, it is significant. And they, they have happened a lot. So, um, so Ghana, as I said, I think Portugal as well, there have been some outbreaks. So anywhere where, you know, food is being processed, this is a, a risk, I think. And in England and Wales, I mean, we had the um, the Cobra meat processing plant in West Yorkshire. That's an Asda-owned plant and factories as well in North Wales and, and in Wrexham. Why is this environment particularly vulnerable to spreading the virus? Well, there are lots of um, reasons. And I think it was the US really which saw the first outbreaks in meat processing plants. So the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention did a study on processing plants in the US and they sent investigators to 
a couple of plants where they sort of observed working practices there to see what were the factors that were causing that were make were making outbreaks more likely to spread and um i mean they sort of noticed several things so they said it's quite sort of fast paced work so you're on a production line and um people are sort of you know doing their jobs quite quickly whatever they are sort of cutting meat up or pro- processing it packaging it and this fast pace means that it's quite hard to wear face coverings all the time and and these observers from the CDC said that people just wore them over their mouths so not their mouth and nose mm. so it's kind of you know you need to cover both your mouth and your nose with a face covering these are also very noisy environments so people have to shout so if you shout the viral particles are more likely to travel further oh that's interesting i I suppose it would increase the projection of the viral particles if you are shouting. Do you think that these outbreaks also go to show that those in lower paid jobs often find themselves less protected from this virus, that maybe there's some socioeconomic factors at work here? Yes, because meat workers, these workers in these plants are less, are sort of poorer. So they're, they're more likely to share um, journeys to work. So, you know, they don't have their own car. So they, they come in together. And they also observed that there were in one factory, I think 40 different languages were spoken. So wow. kind of getting those um, messages across, might, sort of public health messages might be difficult. And I think I read in Germany that there's a lot of Eastern Europeans, so Romanians and Albanians. So they were getting um, some of the army members of the armed forces that were going to help Ted do the testing. I think they were make, trying to find people who spoke those languages. But then um, there's also the fact that these people might not be very well paid. And in the US, they might not have health insurance. So therefore, they wouldn't, you know, if they were sick, they would still have to come into work. Um, and then in the UK as well, if people are on zero hours contracts, you know, they might not get sick pay. So they might be more likely to come into work sick. Presumably lots of these factories are very cold to keep the food fresh as well. Is that is that a factor? Yes, that's a factor. Um, so, I mean, I think it's still a bit under debate about this virus, about the cold, because obviously, you know, Africa and South America are not cold places. I mean, I know they're going through their winter at the moment, but they're not cold. So, you know, a lot of people have said that the virus might disappear in the summer here because of they might to thrive in the cold. And one professor said to me that the best way to keep, uh, his professor of infectious diseases, said the best way to keep the virus, to keep a virus alive is to keep it in a very cold place where there's no ultraviolet light. So basically a fridge. And these meat packing places... Mm are like fridges so they do have these cold they're very cold but then other people have said you know the jury's still out on this cold whether this particular coronavirus does thrive in the cold or not and so other people think it's more likely to be the kind of working conditions and the sort of socioeconomic factors but you know there's you know these Outbreaks haven't taken place in dairy processing plants for example they do seem to be meat processing plants so uh, you know, there's obviously something going on in meat processing that is particular to meat processing mm. rather than in a dairy factory, for example. And do we have any idea of why that might be? I think it's important to say that these aren't, it's not to do with the food that these outbreaks, they're not related to the meat that is being processed. It's the people that are bringing, someone is bringing this 
virus in and then they're infecting their colleagues so i think there's no sort of suggestion that it's the meat that's the problem or that the meat is being infected Another reason why looking at these outbreaks is interesting is because the leaders of all four UK nations have said that they would implement uh, specific local lockdowns and regional lockdowns to avoid both a national outbreak and a national lockdown. So this is something we could see more of. So how are these localised factory outbreaks being dealt with? Well, I think the one in Anglesey, the um, one of the outbreaks in North Wales in Anglesey, they're talking about a sort of local lockdown. So I don't think they're actually instituting that yet, but that is one of the things that they are talking about. But the ones in the UK, at least, they've closed the factories and they're testing everyone and they're quarantining people. So they're doing, you know, the sort of classic public health measures and cleaning the facilities. On Tuesday, we're expecting Boris Johnson to confirm whether or not the hospitality sector can Mm. reopen. That would mean pubs and restaurants in England could start reopening their doors for more than takeaway service on July the Mm. 4th. Other than people shouting loudly, possibly after a few too many drinks, are there any parallels between factories and the hospitality sector, which mean that we we might expect a a similar phenomenon? I mean, this idea of the cold obviously is not you know, we can um, rule that out. But I suppose if people are working in close proximity, that is a problem. You know, I suppose a kitchen is a loud place and it's probably quite hard to social distance if you're working in a kitchen. So there might be shouting and touching and, you know, people brushing past. It's quite probably quite a hard place to social distance. And again, the socioeconomic factors might play a part here. If people aren't on, you know, proper contracts, they might be less willing to take time off if they're feeling ill. It, It does seem that meat processing factories do sort of pose a particular problem so you know i think i think it probably does have some kind of relevance in some respects but but not in others and i imagine also that it would be hard to if you're a chef or you're in a kitchen to keep your face mask on because i imagine they would get quite hot places so i imagine there is probably a slight Mm -hmm. bit of crossover so we'll have to have to wait and see the rest of the coronavirus latest news People who are shielding in England can meet in groups of six outdoors from the 6th of July. The health secretary confirmed on Monday they'll also be able to form a support bubble with one other household. Shielding will end altogether in England from August the 1st. It came as the UK saw its lowest daily death toll since mid-March, with 15 people losing their lives with the virus in all settings. The Prime Minister is expected to reduce the two-metre social distancing rule to at least one metre on Tuesday. The change would take effect from the 4th of July. It would apply to all venues, including restaurants, schools and offices, as long as people take additional measures, including wearing a mask. Boris Johnson is also set to announce an expansion of household bubbles that could see millions more grandparents reunited with their grandchildren. The World Health Organization's reported a record increase in global coronavirus cases, with the total rising by over 183,000 in a 24-hour period. Almost two-thirds of the new infections were seen in North and South America, according to the body's daily report on Sunday. Brazil alone saw 54,000 new cases and over 1,200 deaths, a rise officials in the country blamed on a lag in reporting. 
That's all from me until Wednesday evening. As always, you can read more on any of those stories by following the links in the show notes to this episode. And if you're not already a Telegraph subscriber, well, listeners can get 30 days completely free at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. If there's a topic you think we should be covering, send me an email. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 